You're listening to Modded. And we are here in Burlingame at Carlin Shoes Shop. I'm here with Carlin and Will Chan. We're just chatting it up after a long day of travel. Um, I wanted to get uh, an idea of how did you guys meet each other? You guys have known each other for quite some time. And uh, I guess what got you both started into cars? Did that have anything to do with both of you guys meeting up? Or what's the history there? Shit, we only knew each other from college. And I didn't even go that much. But Will, <laughs> Will was in the cars. I couldn't afford to model a car at that time. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't even I don't remember what class it was. But it was... I had I had a Subi, he had a an IS three hundred. Yeah. And I mean maybe it was just because we were kinda had cars and you know, it was just kinda it grew from there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like we I don't know what what really started the whole modding thing, but I guess having no other expenses in life and just had a disposable income, that's where else are you gonna waste it, right? Was that the two thousand two? Bug Eye Wagon? Correct, 2002 Bug Eye Wagon. And that was, was that the first car that you would say was like, this is my tuner car, this is what I'm going to mess around with? Uh, no, I used to have a 95 E34 5 Series. Um, that one, I had it lowered, I had wheels. Um, I had that car since high school, but I blew a head gasket, and I couldn't smog it, and I couldn't fix it, and then I got the SUVI. <laughs> so I already kind of had a small, like, itch to mod, I guess, but no one, I would never thought I'd go balls out modding and where I'm at now, you know, with all the other cars modded. Did any of you guys have an inspiration that started it all off, something that you saw, or like what, what even began the thought process of I'm going to modify this thing? <laughs> Owning a JDO car was cool. <laughs> and then Fast and the Fierce didn't really help because that kind of came yeah. out around that time. It did. Um, but... I mean, did you did you know? I don't know if you met him. I met this other guy in at college in my first year. He had a CRX hatchback, mm, and which one? He, like the I think his name was Albert. Um, but it was a CRX, and at the first time I learned to drive stick before my Subaru was on that guy's car, and he was all about street racing on 19th Avenue. Um, it's one of our where people used to race light to light all the time. But this thing was the first car. I had no idea what it was until I started getting into it. But it was a B20 VTEC, and that thing was just ripping nonstop. And then he had another hatchback. I don't know if it was a CRX, I don't remember. But that was a, a D16 Turbo. <laughs> so these are two of the cars I think might have kind of inspired me. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I don't think I would have ever thought back then I'd be where I'm at now with whatever cars and modding. I, don't think, even, but. I think the Fast and the Furious had more of an influence on people and the car community than anybody really has an idea, especially when Tokyo Drift came out. That got people looking into more so these days like Japanese body kits, traveling to Japan in general, being able to get stuff that nobody else has. Like That was what really set it off because I don't think that there was a movie before that that highlighted Japan and car culture the way that that one did especially I me mean, drifting you know that's its own thing story of drift but seeing like 
how crazy you could modify any Japanese car, especially when you see Han's FD and right. everyone's like, that's an RX-7, right? Yeah. Like, what the, what the hell is going on with that thing? Right. Well, right. for me, it was more like all like the option tuning videos and option tuning magazines and stuff like that. You know, like you, you get a lot more of the JDM stuff at that time versus like Fast and Furious at that time was not, it didn't feel as JDM. It was just, you know, you had a lot of JDM cars and stuff like that. But it wasn't like any big brand JDM stuff. I mean, we we were always into like the JDM stuff, like just seeing it. Like, you know, I would say it was more so like the option stuff, like option tuning. Mm-hmm. Like this was like before it was option tuning two magazine. It was only option tuning one, right? And like that had a lot more. And then like the big thing back then was like, oh, you know, you had a car. You know, you would go after your hyperrev magazines, right? Your hyperrev <laughs> magazines had all the stuff that was like the the bible for that car right, right you know what I'm right. saying? like whatever you had you had like a subaru you know you found the hyperrev magazine for that car and it basically listed all the jdm parts for that car and like i mean back then like the cool thing to do was like you went through the hyperrev magazine and you just bought everything in that magazine for that car that was like from that one company but who, they listed all the companies in the hyperrev magazine right who are you going through to source your parts at the time oh shit man back then back, back then, then the big guys were like bulletproof automotive no, not bulletproof. It was Boz. Boz performance. Right, Boz. Like, yeah. Yeah. Boz performance was big in bringing in parts back then, and um, I mean, I used to go through Group S. Yeah. And and I went through Boz. Yep. Boz was my big Cusco group. Yeah. Um, group S at that time they just started, but they were really big with the Subies, and like Carlin said, I had the Hyper Rev, and I was like, I need this part, so I'll make a phone call. Yeah. Three months. That's fine. Take it. You know. Yeah. And then. It was like back then, ARC, no one heard of it. You know, I'd buy it. Uh, Brides, no one, no one cared about it. I'll buy it. Project Mute, no one cared about it. I'll buy it. You know, like Ganadors. stuff like that. Ganadors, you yeah. know, yeah. CUS, stuff like that. You know, nowadays everyone knows all these brands, but back then, you know. Back then, only like the big guys and like, if you were in like the show scene and stuff like that, it was only the guys that were like really, really into the JDM stuff that were like, I mean, these were like brands that you would like just know if you like just set it out there and stuff. But like to most people, it's like, what's that, you know? But I mean, the cars look cool, you know, and th- they always stood out compared to what, was, what else was out there and stuff like that. And for the most parts, for the most part, parts cost the same then as they do. Now. Oh yeah, it's yeah. pretty much the same. Yeah, it's been constant. yeah. I mean, like the bride seats back then, I would be getting shipped from Japan in three months, probably somewhere around seventeen hundred. You know, this is like in '04, right? Yeah. The Gandor mirrors were like eight hundred dollars back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, eight hundred dollars in 04 is a lot of money for some mirrors that don't even work because they're right-hand drive mirrors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't fake eBay copies where yeah. you could just swap the mirrors now. Yeah, and they weren't yeah, making you know? those left-hand mirrors for you. So you're, you know, you're literally putting them for looks and one mirror will work for you and the other one you're just praying to God that you looked over enough to see that there's no car, Yeah. right? And you know, back then it's just like, oh, you can buy the same mirror or same part that looks similar but American made for like you know 200 bucks, right? Or you can buy a strut bar that's you know 150 back then for Cusco, but why are you gonna spend you know 900 dollars on an ARC titanium or whatever? Like we don't even know what that brand is unless yeah. you were you know from Japan or you read those magazines. But it's one of those things where you know quality was something I was going for, you know, and even now I'm still like loyal to the brand regardless. But it's a shame that you know they're not around for like majority of the parts. You know, certain parts they still have, but I mean, call me old, I guess, or OG, but <laughs> talking about the the bug eye wagon for a bit. What did you have on it, and then what ended up happening to the that car? Because I know there's a story about that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I had, I think I had, well, I got some of the parts off of one of my other friends who was really big into the JDM, but it was like the only STI cage that was imported at that time. So I had a full pink cage, which was weird, but cool at the same time, right? ARC front mount, ARC intake, the bride seats, full bride interior, like all wrapped bride interior, door panels, um, back seat. I think I did like suede headliner, suede trunk. Um, the Japanese Japanese option full kit, mag blue TEs. I also had like mm. uh, the gold Av NRGs, Project New Brakes, Fujitsu Bo Exhaust. I mean, I had all these things that nobody wanted to pay the premium for, wait for. Yeah, the Sea West hood. Sea West tricarbon hood. Mm -hmm. um, what else? I mean, I had all these little random stuff like a STI cluster back then, like no one was trying to do that stuff, you know. Um, I mean, I literally had any everything you can get off of like the S202, also like the little you know hazard lights. I think I remember like ship boots, everything I could get. Um, like yeah, I mean JDM markers, you know whatever you can think of. I had to put on that Option Two sticker to you know. Keep <laughs> Even now in my cars, I still have the Option Two stickers on my cars. It's one of those things that's like a staple. Um, but yeah, I sold it to a friend who ended up selling to another friend. Ended up branding, <laughs> branding a truck or some type of like big rig, and the car caught on fire for the most part. But yeah, it's like it's sad to see the car like that. But I mean, I think it had its glory. It did. It did have one magazine shoot. It was scheduled for another one, but never made it to the, the other magazine shoot. But definitely was a an, a good learning process, right? And I met a lot of cool people. Met a lot of different shops. Um, wish I got more exposure with the car, though. Definitely, mm -hmm. but. You know, I've never really had much exposure for any of my projects, but that one I think I wish I did have a little bit more exposure. Oh, for sure. Carlin, what was your first car that you invested a good amount of time and money into? Hmm. I can't remember. Was it the black LS? Yeah, I would say probably the first car that I actually built, like that I spent the most time and money on was the LS430 that I had. I had an 05 LS430. Cause I didn't really have much to build before that. And it was just always like, cause I already had a shop and then I didn't build any of my own cars. And then, so I built the LS430. Cause at that time we decided to just go into like the VIP car market at that time. And then just grow up in that market. Just cause everything else was so competitive at that time. There was not much out there. So the VIP market at that time didn't have enough here. So, went into that market and built that 430 which got sold quite a few times since <laughs> but still within the team but i mean that's an, what, what was the kit that was on that again it was that was a job design kit on that car and that car went to sema in 2010 and i mean i've had a car at sema just about every year since from then till now and i mean we've done like numerous magazines ever since and I mean, it's just been like repetitive. How does that process go about? With a lot of people aren't familiar with what it takes to get a car to SEMA. There's different ways now, more well, so than I mean, there's getting, ever been. Getting a car to SEMA is not, it's, it's hard, but it's also not hard. I mean, a lot of times, like, a lot of people will think, like, oh, you know, SEMA is a car show. Okay, it, it's a car show, but at the same time, people are missing the point that it's, it's an industry event, right? So it's like, you want a car at, at SEMA. Okay, will you get a good spot at SEMA? You might not be guaranteed a good spot because not like you can go in there and choose your spot, right? You go there and then 
And you can only get in if a company sponsors you to get in. It's not like, oh, I can just go see a website and just sign up and say, oh, I want to register a car. I mean, back pre-2010, you could. You could register, you could fill it out and put it in and be a featured vehicle and submit it to SEMA. And if SEMA accepts it, then they'll take it and stuff like that. But throughout the years, it got harder and harder. And you could really only just get in if a company says, hey, you know, we're going to, we will give you one of our spots that we're out with that we have because SEMA only gives every company X amount of spots. Any more than that, the company has to buy a spot and it's really expensive for a spot SEMA. So one, it's like for a company to even give you a spot, it's like, hey, what are you doing for the company? If you're not doing anything for the company, it's not serving any real purpose. Why would the company even want to give up their spot for you? I mean, yeah, you still have to pay for the spot, but hey, it's very limited, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you don't get a good spot, you I mean you can be parked in like butt fuck nowhere land and like <laughs> in Vegas at convention center and like no one's ever gonna see your car either. And it's just I mean, I feel that in all these years, like it's become a thing, like people are like, Oh, you know, if I made it to SEMA, I made it. It's like I mean, mm-hmm. yes and no, right? And nowadays, like I mean, I'd rather not bring a car to SEMA unless I'm kinda guaranteed a better spot, right? And I you really gotta like just build it for a purpose, right? Otherwise it's like you're, I get it. Some people who haven't had cars see almost like you're chasing this dream, right? But it's like if you wait and you work it out, you plan out, you can get a better spot and stuff like that. Work with the company and stuff where it's like, hey, you know, it's it's an industry event. If people want your car there, it's got to serve them a purpose. And if you're not doing enough marketing for the company, they're not going to want your car either. They're not going to help you get a better spot because I mean, some of these spots. I mean, we've had cars like Nat's car was in some spots where I mean the company had paid like up to like $5,000 for that spot, right? And I mean, Nat didn't have to pay $5,000 for that spot, but the company goes, hey, we want your car, so hey, you know, we'll put it there, but they had to pay for this prime location. And at the end of the day, it's marketing for them. It's just mm-hmm. depending on how much money the company wants to spend, right? So, I mean, there's stuff like that, and it's sometimes it's hard to explain it to people because everybody just wants to go to SEMA. <laughs> and, you know, you don't want to get desperate because if you get desperate, you end up like, preparing your car for this and putting it somewhere where no one's ever going to see it. There's that situation and I think also getting desperate to the point where you're going to put something on your car that you're not necessarily proud of. Not necessarily. I mean, like, say, I mean, not to knock on Rohana wheels, but then, I mean, you know, Rohana's not a very, like, big name, I guess, yeah. It's a big name, but depending on who you're asking, right? And, I mean, Rohana doesn't really fit our, our market, like, say, like, on the VIP car market. An example would be like when Elvin's LS went to SEMA, it's hard to get a VIP car into SEMA because one, for a VIP car, it really serves no company that has a booth at SEMA any real marketing purpose because nobody makes enough parts stateside for those cars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like if a company is buying a booth at SEMA, your minimum for a booth starts at $20,000. I mean, you know, they're not gonna advertise something and market something that has no market to. No one's gonna spend that kind of money for it, right? And so Elvin wanted a car at SEMA and it's just hard. So the only way in was through Rohana. And Rohana goes, hey, you know, like, we wanna put a set of wheels on your car. You know, would you like to put your car at SEMA? And it's like, hey, you know, like, there's your chance, right? Because otherwise, you're going to sit there and you're going to hope that somebody's going to want to have your car at SEMA. So, I mean, there's those aspects where it's like, hey, you know, like, if you want the car, I mean, the wheels don't necessarily always make the car. I mean, you can choose something within some company and still make it look right where mm-hmm. it's going to still flow, right? So, I mean, that's the way that Elvin went to try to get the car to SEMA. 
Because, I mean, it's if you look at it in the perspective of like, hey, what can you do for the company for the company to even want you there, right? And it's just, it comes down to that. And if you want your car at SEMA, then it's like, hey, you know, sometimes that's the route you got to take. But you have to acknowledge first of like, hey, I have a car that nobody wants. Yeah, but I mean, I think I, I get what you mean by sometimes you're, de you're desperate, so you're just looking for whatever company can throw something on so I can be in it. But the other downside is like, do you want your car to have that image for life, right? If someone captures it and it's like floating on nonstop online and you have a certain reputation for your build and this is, you know, not what they see you as in mm -hmm. person because they think, oh, this guy's all about JDM or it's all about VIP. But, you know, how come at SEMA this guy has these wheels that don't, you know, or these parts that don't flow or match with, you know, yeah. Well, what, I mean, of course, it's still got to flow, right? right? And then also the other thing, too, is like I, I try to explain to people a lot of times is you have it's kind of like building your portfolio, too. Right. And then like when you're working with these companies, I mean, Rohana, like the wheels may not suit our taste and stuff, but they're still they're still a somewhat decent sized company and they have relationships with a lot of people. Right. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's your relationship that you build with that company. And it's like, hey, it's not your only car that you're ever going to have you know you have another right, car right. and then like hey you know you reach out and it's like hey you know that you you're networking at the same time right? right so but it's not like you're trying to take advantage of them but it's just you have to you know you build your portfolio right mm -hmm. i mean i've seen cars at sema where it's like you know you got a stock car with like the fucking carbon fiber hood on it and it's like some bullshit ass carbon fiber hood mm -hmm. and you know the car looks like shit but it's marketing for but that. It's marketing right? for it's that market, purpose, yeah. right? You know, right. that's what they wanted it there for. You right. know, they couldn't find a car. It's like, hey, we're just going to put a stock car. Hey, but you think yeah. about it this way. They did that and they got your attention, right? Right. And that's all that matters, right? You exactly. can build a crazy car, but if it's too clean or too simple and it doesn't catch attention, then mm -hmm. you already feel that part. But if you put a bad car or not something yeah. that stands out, then getting footage and getting that publicity is already, you know, achieved, right? It's marketing in a bunch of different ways. Yep. And I think whatever gets people talking is mm -hmm. its marketing mm -hmm. on right. its own. Right? Bad publicity is good publicity, right? Yep. So, or any, any publicity, any publicity, publicity yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. yeah, it's true. So. so that's why it's it's one of those things like, what do you have to offer? Right? Right. It's not about just, oh, I want to go to SEMA. Why do you want to go to SEMA? You know, I mean, it's like, oh, it's a car show. It's like, I mean, it's, it's a car show, but it's not a car show. Right. Mm -hmm. Depending on how you look at it, right? Depending on how yeah. you look at it, right? I mean, as, as like for most people who are shops and as a builder and stuff like that, then most people will be like, okay, you know, that's like their like higher of the car shows for them, right? You know, but at the same time, like most builders know it's like, okay, you know, you, you have relationships with these companies and it's just part of like, it's more of like for the industry. That's basically what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Not so much of like, say like your local car shows and stuff where it's right. like, oh, your normal like car enthusiasts and people right. who have cars and stuff like that. It's, it's just, it's totally different and i mean i get it you know most car enthusiasts they want to have their cars at sema because it's like somewhat it's like bragging rights and you know it, it makes you feel good i get that you know but sometimes it's like you gotta be realistic with yourself too of like hey you might end up at sema and say you went to sema but you got like parked like way the fuck out somewhere right. and nobody's ever gonna see your car yeah there's that and they're also getting stuck in a contract that you don't necessarily enjoy yeah. like right, some of the commitments right. are right. run your contracts right sporting a particular set of wheels right yeah. making a particular like a set number of posts about mm -hmm. the wheels right or a certain yeah. amount of like events you have to be at with these exactly. things you know a certain yeah, amount exactly. of publicity and so. or xyz company told you you had to pay x amount of dollars for it too and it's like you were better off just buying it and not going to see what right you know? right because <laughs> you paid the same price all right mm -hmm. it's true 
you know i mean some sometimes like some people see it as bragging rights and it's like to me it's like it's not really bragging rights you you put yourself through hell for nothing right and you actually spent more money but that is sometimes people's checklist of a bill get it yeah right you know it is a checklist for mm-hmm. most people and i've mm-hmm. seen it a lot of times but it's just hey sometimes it's like you gotta actually like sema is a big thing and it's like one of those things where you actually have to plan it right you know yeah and the worst one is like you know not holding up to your end of the bargain going to sema because i mean a lot of these companies will like be disappointed right and then everybody's always doing that sema crunch and it's like hey mm-hmm. you know like if you let the company know early enough in advance it's easy they don't care they will fill that spot regardless somebody will take it somebody will pay for it right but if you hold up to the last minute and do a no-show i mean that's just like nobody's ever going to want to work with you mm-hmm. so let's talk about the out of all the bills that you've done the cars that you've done what do you say is what do you think is the one that you're most proud of? The one that you think like, not only is this car good, it's it's SEMA quality good. I would uh, take it there any day. I mean, every, every build is the same. I mean, to me, it's just it's it's a continual learning process and stuff. Like you never stop learning. So every build you try to do something different. Every build you try to do something better. It's like oh, you know, like you're always trying to improve and stuff. So I mean, I don't really have any builds that's like oh, you know, this is like my best or i like this the most and stuff is it's constantly you're constantly trying to do more and more and more right i mean like the minute if i find like this is the best build it's probably like when i'm like i'm done i don't want to play with cars anymore you know right but i mean i know you guys put a lot of time and effort into the green car yeah and i mean that, 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 that one that was one. a lot of there was a lot of work in there and stuff like that there was a lot of last minute work in there and yeah. stuff but it was, at the same time i mean i was also like helping josh build his jeep at that time right that one like i mean there was like there's everything needed to be two done. sema cars being built yeah in, like, and there a were, month. like full builds <laughs> and like i mean there was just like i mean his jeep like the whole entire engine harness was like messed up i had to like go through like i think it was like 280 wires and stuff and just fix everything and like you know everything plus like we had the green car getting built and this you're talking Everything. about the, the Sunburst Porsche, yeah, right? Yeah, Talk yeah. a little bit about that one. And it's, it's, what would you say? It's Nat's car, it's the shop's yeah. car. It's Nat's, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's both of our cars yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, but we, like, I couldn't, I, I'm never able to do any of these builds by myself. Like, it's just, like, we always have, like, a good team of people, like, you know, group crew, like, helping. Nat put a lot of time into it. And, I mean, without Nat's help, I mean, there's no way yeah. of finishing he it was, either, you know? He was painting it. Too. He was there. I remember him well, we, we did a lot of, and like we did a lot of the body work. Yeah. I mean, the paint was done by Priola Body Shop, and they were like literally like at the end of the block for us. So I mean, we literally just drove the car down there without any body panels and stuff like that. It was literally like at the end of the block. So I mean, we got all the body work done, and then we dropped it off over there to have them paint the car. And then I mean, we literally got the car back a week and a half before SEMA. And we start to put the whole car together and everything. So, I mean, SEMA builds are always a rush build. You're never going to have a perfect SEMA build unless you start building it the year before. And even then, you probably still won't have it complete. Yeah, but I think you should go into, like, the, the car, like, the year. I mean, what kind of mods you had to do to it to make yeah. it what it is. I know the interiors. Oh, yeah, the interior. yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a 92 Turbo. And... I mean, when we got the car, the car had a gray interior. Everything was gray inside. The carpet was gray. Nat stripped out the carpet and redid all the carpet. Like, we had got a carpet kit for it and changed all the black. The dash was gray. Horrible. We pulled everything out, stripped the whole dash out, took the whole interior out, dropped off at the holster shop, had them redo the dash and the whole interior, and then, like, 
everything had to be changed on that car. I mean, we had every single body panel off the car. We had to cut the rear quarters out, widen the rear, line up the bumpers because the sunburst kits, everything is like just pre-made and nothing is pre-drilled or anything. So you have to fit everything in and fit everything Was on Was that there. the first sunburst kit yes. here? Yeah. yeah. First sunburst in the States. Yeah. Super wide. Super wide. <laughs> yeah. Super wide. Super wide. And then, I mean, you know, thank God we had like good relationships with a lot of people because... I actually ordered a wrong set of wheels for the car. <laughs> and I had ordered a set of Meister M1s for the car, and I forgot to compensate that we had a turbo. So on a Carreras, the axles are actually shorter than the turbos. And when I was like, this was maybe like five days before the car had to leave for SEMA. And one night we were sitting at the shop and it was like 3 a.m. And I was like, maybe we should test fit the wheels. And that's says, well, I mean, you know, you ordered them. They should fit, right? I was like, they should, but I don't know. So we went to test fit the wheels and the wheels stuck out past the fender like three inches. Oh, my God. Three inches. And then not only that, but during the process, we decided to do the big brakes on, on the car. And we got the Brembo GT brakes on there. <laughs> and we didn't compensate for that either. And the wheels were 18 inch. So the the overall diameter didn't clear the front brakes either. <laughs> so it was like, oh shit, it's five days before the car has to leave. What in the hell can I do? So I called work in Japan that night and I said, hey, you know, I was like, I fucked up. I got the wrong wheels. I said, you know, is there any wheels that you have that like the face is already pre-made, you know, like that has a five by 130 bolt pattern on it, right? I was like, I don't care if the wheels are pink, right? I was like, I just need some wheels. And he said, all right, you know, just finalize the spec right now and let me know what you need, right? He's like, we'll see what we can do. It's like, but it has to be like rush, rush delivery. And I said, okay. So, I mean, literally, like, I got back to them within the hour and got all the specs and sizes and everything like that. And they literally said, okay, we have these faces. We have the barrels in stock. We can assemble them. And they overnighted the wheels to us, like, overnight. And then at the same time, I mean, you know, that car was going to Toyo Tread Pass. And then so Nat had to hit up hit a stand with Toyo and say, hey, you know, I, I need some tires like now, right? You know, so I mean, we luckily that got resolved. We got tires and everything and wheels and stuff, right? But I mean, there's just a shit ton of overnight deliveries. I mean, that overnight that, parts from Japan. Yeah, that <laughs> last that last two weeks of the car getting done, it was like every day was just overnight parts. It didn't matter where it came from. It was just overnight parts everywhere. Yeah. And the car was like, it, it was still like fully, fully apart. It had no interior in there. It had nothing in there. Headlights weren't fitting in a right. Yeah. Like brackets nothing. had to be made for like the bumper to connect. Yep, everything. <laughs> Vinyls had to be avoided. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys were working on that like till like that, that night that you had to drive up to. Oh, um, we worked on it. We worked on it till that morning at, um, we worked on it till that morning up until like maybe like 5.30 in the morning. I mean, Sean, it was me, Nat, Sean, um, I think David David's was there. Right, David was there. was there. And then so like we literally got it done. We loaded the car up into the trailer. And I said, all right, I need to get the fuck out of here. I was like, because it's, it's still early. I can't see past the trailer because I had bought a trailer that was too big. Because <laughs> I had to get a trailer huge enough to fit the car in there. Like, it was enough. so wide. Yeah, wide enough. So, I, so my, my F-150 at that time, I was like, I didn't have any tow mirrors on it, so I couldn't see past the side of the trailer. So I was like, oh, shit, we need to get the fuck out of here. So I told, I told Tomomi, I was like, we need to get in the car. We need to just start driving, right? And she's like, but you didn't sleep. I was like, yeah, but I, I'd rather drive and get on the five first. At least one on the five, it's straight. I don't need to see anything out yeah. the side afterwards, right? I was like, if I had to get through traffic and stuff, I was like, we're probably going to lose the car. <laughs> I 
So we got we got in the car, started driving up on the five. Got finally got on the five. Did maybe by an hour on the five. Finally found a rest stop. Stopped at the rest stop and literally just knocked out. <laughs> and then like slept for maybe like two hours. Got back up and just continued trailing to Vegas. And I mean, it was it was good. I mean, that, that was a, that was a pretty good story for that one. Like I mean, <laughs> that one literally we went to like the last last minute on that. I mean, we go last minute every time every too. Time. But that one was like like fully fully apart. And you think that's the one that you would say, you could say that you're most proud of, at least the latest build so far? Because that one's still not done. I think you're redoing the interior right now again. Yeah, right? we're, we're yeah. fixing up some stuff on there because, I mean, ever since SEMA, we haven't touched the car and the car's just sat ever since. So, I mean, there's still some stuff that I want to address on the car and, you know, just haven't had any time to go, go in and pull everything apart and do everything again. Yeah. And well, after your bug eye what did you end up getting after the bug eye picked up a, a e46 um m3 which i still have now that was like a car in high school that i always told myself that i'm gonna buy like mm -hmm. every like fanboy always wanted an m3 you know growing up and that's your your baby right now because i mean you have it to this day <laughs> i still have it to now i still kind of play with it modified. I think it's okay modified. I mean, it's not as modified as your uh, STI, yeah. but I mean, I think it's enough for what I need out of it. You know, um, I still kept my JDM roots on it. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was one of the in the beginning, one of the few to start putting JDM parts, and I got so much shit from everybody. But you know, I stayed the course, held the ship straight, and now like everyone's putting JDM stuff on their Euros. I mean, JDM on every car now, right? Yeah, the Varus bumper. Varus bumper, uh, Varus race diffuser, canards, Varus wing, Varus rear diffuser, um, Varus rear lower diffuser. I think the only Varus thing I didn't get was the Varus rear trunk, because then that needs like a, a different mounting for the for the wing. So it's either you get that trunk or you get your stock trunk with the Varus wing. Then you get hyper red TEs. Hyper red TEs. I also have bronze TEs. Um, I have. MCS coilovers, Recaro's um, cage, full stereo. So at least when I'm driving to see you guys in LA, I got some some music slapping. Mm -hmm. uh, Project Mew brakes. Um, this Japanese company that unfortunately is out of business, uh, Dixie's um, exhaust and strut bar, probably one of the most rare parts for the E46 chassis. Uh, Group M intake. Mm -hmm. yeah probably overkill for you know for one one or two horsepower but again keeping kind of jdm so i think it's i think it's pretty cool a little di a different kind of build for for that market you know and well, then we talked about like uh not brand recognition but being known having a name for yourself and you're for the most part pretty private. Guys don't know what you have. I mean, I didn't know that you had a 2002 Subaru wagon until you showed me pictures and we talked about it. Um, you don't really, you post on social media, but being private, it's not like you get the recognition out there. And I think I am the one that gets you more attention just, or people in general reposting your car get you a ton of attention, but you're a very private person. Why is that? I don't know. I just never wanted, I never wanted the attention and even Going back before the color change on that car, um, I remember we had some pictures at uh, Carlin's old shop, and every time Falcon would post it, because at Carlin's <laughs> shop they'd say he was the owner, and then Carlin would call me like, "I can't believe they're saying I'm the owner again." I was like, "Let's leave it at that. Like, you know, I don't need any followers. 
I don't need any of that, you know, I'd rather have that car for myself and if they think you have it, even better, you know. And then once I repainted it and did everything else, like now it's even more not recognizable. Like people will see the car and they know the car, but they don't know who drives the car or who owns it. And I think it's easier that way, you know. Um, I mean, you know, just growing up, I just wasn't much for having that like attention. Uh, if you knew me, you knew me. If you didn't, then, you know, you don't. But it's just, I don't need that yeah. added attention <clears throat> for, you know, it doesn't give me any gain for the nope. most part. Social media gain gives you nothing. <laughs> But I mean, I love seeing friends who get their recognition. Um, I mean, you know, like my E90, <laughs> I sold my Amuse bumper and Bears canards to one of my other friends who has a huge social media presence. And this guy, you know, after the first day, you know, everyone knew about this setup, but nobody knew that I had it for, you know, maybe like half a year or so. But I don't know. I mean, I'm happy for, you know, someone else who can gain it. Um, if that's what they want, you know, go for it. I mean, I just, I just in my book, as long as I built something I know that I can be proud of, or you know, some people enjoy it, who know it, then that's cool, you know. I mean, and I'm, again, I don't need to have fame, you know. With fame comes trouble. <laughs> you built the car for yourself. Right? Yeah, correct. You know I mean, you didn't build the car for anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I mean if I built I it, if I built it for someone else, I would never have these JDM parts on a Euro no. ever, right? I'd be like every other cookie cutter who who might have had HREs or AC Snitzer or oh, something, yeah. you know, some European build. Which I mean, nothing against it, but then I'd just be just following the mold, right, you know? Yeah. So. You both have been modifying since before the advent of social media, right? Oh, yeah. Early right. 2000s. Right. What have you seen change in, in the car community since Instagram and Facebook came out? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's so much just that, but, I mean, you know, there's so much stuff out there that's, like, just... Everyone... There's not enough guidance out there, and I mean, that's where I say, I try to tell people, like, we were kids once, I mean, we didn't know any direction, so I mean, our guidance was like, say, like, you know, option two, new magazine, right? I mean, and honestly, I mean, you know, if you look back at it, who knows if that's the right way, right? You know, we just think that's the right way, right? That was our guidance, right? But as we got older, the more you do things and the more you see things, right? It's like, okay, you know, your perspectives change sometimes. Same thing with these kids. These kids, got they have no direction, right? You know, I don't really blame social media for any of it. But, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you know, people do things just for clout, right? You know, Correct. And that's that's the problem with social media. Everyone's doing things for clout. But a lot of times people are now, like, doing just dumb shit because it's just videos, <laughs> right? You know, and everyone wants to do dumb shit because of videos versus, like, when it was just pictures. Pictures was cool. Like, I'm going to do this on my car, right? You know, like, I'm going to take pictures and just post it up. Now it's like you got videos so people can do dumb shit, like, literally do dumb shit, like fly off a fucking sidewalk or something or hit somebody and stuff like that, right? You know, and people get clout like that, mm -hmm. which I think that's the problem with, like, social media because people are doing it towards for video now, right? Right. I mean, I think also, like, I'm all for, again, like, the whole being socially, like, popular. But, again, are you building the car for yourself, right? And I feel like some of these kids now, they're building it for the followers. And then, you know, and then on, especially on the YouTube channels, oh, throw a comment. What do you think? Should I change that? Okay, I'm going to change it because all my people want to do it. So are you really building it for them? You know, and again, back to the whole guidance thing. It's like, are you just following, you know, are you sheeping yeah, it out? Yeah. Like just following other people and then doing the same thing and not really making your own image of yourself. And I think that's you know, the biggest issue now. It's like, people are so easily distracted by social media, so easily controlled by it. And everyone then becomes having the same like crazy camber, not properly fitting things or like, and then it, 
the bad thing is it makes a bad name for all kind of like builders or tuners or you know people who modify cars is you do one bad thing on video the cops come and then now yeah. they have this stigma that oh every car that's modified is going to do this or oh, every type of you know if say you have a video of an sti doing something dumb oh every SI drives like that or you have an m3 doing something dumb oh every bmw drives like that and i think that's the one bad thing with the social media it's like people can only see that 30 seconds and then they already put an image of you know that group of people and that's you know i mean it's cool to show what you know what you're proud of but i mean if you start putting a bad image on it then you know no one's gonna be able to do anything anymore because then you know the government's gonna shut you down quick right mm -hmm. yep. and it hurts the whole car community as a whole right and i mean you know like we're all car enthusiasts at the end of the day and i mean as far as like this whole like car culture right you know it's like there's just there's not enough like guidance i mean a lot of influencers but you know they're not influencing people in the right way right you know and it just you know it's all like personal gain which i mean i don't like and i see that and it's just to me it's just dumb but i can't blame it because you know these influencers have such big influences right you know you can't change them all but it's like you know that's why it's like hey you know we try to keep our group and our community like tight and you know you could give guidance to those that are near you right you know versus like some of the big influencers i mean you know it's just sometimes you just gotta ignore them right i think there's a, a maybe a misunderstanding or misconception of the word from from those people because an influencer is maybe something more defined as a famous person so yeah. being considered an influencer you you misinterpret that as, as being i'm a famous person yeah, in exactly. reality the literal translation is i am going to influence someone to do this exactly. or that lead them somewhere like exactly. it's almost like if you are that then yep. you have a responsibility right. somewhat to lead them in the right direction right yep or give them options that you like you don't Correct. really just show one and kind of like then the people who aren't how do i say like exposed to like you know more of it they're like, oh, that's the way we got to do it. You know, if not, then I'm not cool or I'm not going to be liked by, you know, this group of people. Um, and I mean, again, like, I'm not going to hate on anyone's build because everyone has their own personality. But if I see everyone with the same build, it's like, you guys don't have much personality, right? There's no personality. It's the same. It, it looks like a dealership <laughs> right. at that point. Right? And then if you're not, I mean, again, I'm, I like to hear people, why people do things, right? And if you explain to me, like, oh, I like this because this is like, you know, this is going to bend me this way, or this is how I grew up, I can find, well, I'm going to do it because so-and-so did it, or that I saw that online, and, you know, that looks cool, but because they did it, I think I'm going to do it, you know, I mean, then... Why bother? Yeah, it's not, you, don't, you I don't know, maybe it's just like a different, like you said, culture. Growing up, when we were, we, we had options, you know, we had to learn from our own, we had to, you know, figure out what works best, you know, we don't have people building a certain way and be like, oh, I want it to look like that, and then one shop can just do it all for you, right? Like, it's like a, a learning curve, like you buy something, oh, that's not right, let me just do something else again and you kind of like learn and you you grow and you figure what you know your personality is or what you like it's like clothes right you don't all buy the same clothes and you all look like a boy band right <laughs> yeah. but if you uh, you know you kind of go and then you figure out what what colors you like or what style you like then you can have your own personality and i think the cars are supposed to be that right you're supposed to be your personality of what you are yep. but then if you're always following you know social media then you all become yeah, the everybody same. looks the same yeah and then then whose personality are you really being right or expressing was there anyone that you guys were guided by or looked up to when you first started that gave you that direction and influence? No, mine was literally <laughs> just like option tuning magazine and stuff, right? I mean, that's it was the whole JDM build, right? And but I mean, at the same time, it's kind of cookie cutter too, because like, or not really, but it's like you kind of like see, and it's like, okay, I'm not trying to build a catalog car. I'm not trying to buy mm. everything from this company to make my car look like that car. It's like, oh, I, you know, you may like this 
company's hood or you might like this company's suspension parts, right? You know, like you're not trying to build everything from that one company, right? Mm. And I mean, there wasn't social media back then, so it was great, but I mean, there was internet forums, right? You know, and the internet forums were cool, like, for the most part. For the most part, yeah. right? You know, and I mean, that's where you got all your information from back then and everything like that. And, but as far as like influencers, I mean, you know, like with everybody's like research is, that should be your best influence, like seeing what companies are doing, right? You know, looking at out there, like what's available, right? You know, and what you can do, right? You know, or like what you like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the bad thing back then, you try Google or look up a Japanese uh, product online. Man, Everything was good, Japanese. Good luck, and it, it, man. Good luck finding the webpage too. Yeah. Or like, good luck having a good picture. Like these things yeah. are like so small and blurry. You're like, praying yep. to God, I they were thumbnails. Yeah, you pray to God they come out right. Yeah. And like, you know, for the most part, well, no Google Translate back then. You know, yeah, pre Google fish, man. Yeah. And I was just like, order me this part and make sure it's not that plastic one and I want the carbon fiber version, you know? Yep. And you just pray to God that they order the right oh, one yeah. when it comes. Oh yeah, thank God that you just see parentheses FRP, FRP these days. Or, that's yeah. it, that's all you need. Yeah, know? and yeah. so, you know, it's one of those things where it's a hit or miss and you just pay your deposit, wait a couple months, hope it comes correctly. If not, then good luck selling it because no one knows what this stuff is. <laughs> yep. And then you move on your way, you know? And then, I mean, now it's a lot easier. You can Google a lot of stuff, but back then, man, there was nothing. It was hard. Yeah, the internet was really, really hard back then. Yeah. This so this, the concept of like clout, did it exist back then? Yeah, there was. I mean, you know, that's always gonna exist, right? It's just to what magnitude, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. You know, I mean, back then, you, your clout was like mainly amongst like friends and like you know your local people and stuff like that, right? Or like you know going on the forums, right? You know, but that that's only outreach to that community. Right? <laughs> Versus nowadays, like oh, you know, your clout is like the magnitude of that is like the whole entire social media, right? The whole which world, goes right? Through the mm-hmm. whole world, everything right? is instant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think one reason why I'm so personal with what I'm doing now is. When I was started with the Subaru, it was so new of a chassis in America because that was the first year that that came out. You know, I was asking my questions online and, you know, no one really knew much about it. Everyone was all about, oh, this is a rally car. You can't be, you know, lowering it. You can't be doing this and this to a car. It was okay. And then, you know, I put on the, the wheels, I lowered it. And all I was getting was this hate, like straight hate from everybody. Like, oh, this dude's wasting all his money buying all these things. Like, well, it's not it's like no gain like this and that but mm-hmm. i think after a while it's like you do everything for you right and if people keep on being so negative about it you're either going to fall into that and then build you know for what they want or you just step away from it right so i think that was part of the reason why i'm am kind of more private with my builds because again it comes down to personal and what's the point of you posting something if it's something you like but all you hear is negativity then it kind of second guesses your, you know, your build or, but in reality, like, why should it matter, right? It's not their car, it's not their money. And a lot of times they hate on you because they're not willing to spend that or they don't have the resources to buy that, right? I mean, back then, everyone's just paying their wheels gold to look like a rally car, you know, here I'm trying to drop like 3K or 4K for a set of gold TEs and people are like, oh, that's ridiculous, the OEM wheels are so much better or stuff like that. But, you know, and it comes down to it's like, okay, well, why are they saying this? Yeah, maybe they, they think it's better, which is fine. Their opinion, maybe they just don't want to spend that money, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think, again, that probably was really one of the reasons why I keep a lot of my stuff private because there's no reason for me to spend my life hearing about people like talking about your stuff, like negative or positive. I mean, life's so short, right? Just yeah. build it, enjoy it, you know, as long as you enjoy what you're doing, right, for the most part. 
And a lot of times, like a lot of people who are after the clout and stuff, like you'll you'll be surprised where like someone like the really nicely built cars and the better built cars, those guys are all like very low key and stuff. I mean, you'll never see me like going out there trying to get internet famous and stuff like that. I mean, that's just not me. I don't really care for that. I mean, I I build cars. I continue building cars for people and myself. And it's like, you know, I do it for myself. I like it, right? Like a lot of guys who have like some of the nicest, nicer cars and nicely, nicely done cars and probably nicer than most cars on the internet and stuff. Like, they don't go on the internet and stuff like that. The rich. Oh, yeah, rich, rich, yeah. rich doesn't go on social media at all either, no. you know. And I mean, if you actually saw his, his some of his builds and stuff like that that he has, right? I mean, you know, they're like to a different level, yeah. right? you know. I mean, it's I mean, like... You know, we're talking about, oh, buying parts, right, you know. Mm -hmm. This guy's talking about, I want every single one of my parts made, right, custom made, right, you know. So it's like, you know, there's different levels of the yeah. stuff, right. But, like, I mean, the reason why I like the car community so much and this car culture so much is that, I mean, there's no other hobby in this world, to me, that can draw as many people from all different walks of life as cars. Doesn't matter how expensive the car is, doesn't matter how cheap the car is, right? You know, you got people who come from all different walks of life, and people, there are a lot of good people in there too, and people who won't judge you, right? You know, and but you'll get to meet a lot of people. So it's like the biggest hobby where you can meet and network with the most people. Yeah, regardless of like social status, Correct. or you know, it's just as a true car enthusiast, you know, yeah, you respect whatever build, yep. right? You know, Low end, high end. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's still your that person put in the they time. They put in time, put in effort, the money. You know, everything, and you know it's it's there for people to appreciate, right? I mean, it's their piece of artwork, right? You know, so I mean, you gotta learn to appreciate it when you can go aside outside of that and start looking outside the box, right? And you know, you'll start seeing a lot more stuff, right? It's like, hey, you know, like the lowrider guys, right? You know, there's those cars are all beautiful pieces of artwork, right? I mean, it may not be your cup of tea, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but hey, you got, if you take a minute and you step back and you actually look at all the stuff that went into it, like all the work that went into it, you know, the craftsmanship, everything like that, right? You, you'll learn to appreciate it like art versus like, oh, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, you can buy a whole bunch of parts to slap on the car, but it's the same time. It's like, how well was it packaged together, right? You know, you look at the overall package of everything. I mean, anybody can just buy a bunch of parts and just throw it on a car and see what shit sticks, right? You know, I mean, and most of the time, shit always sticks to everything, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah. necessarily look good, look right. good right? Yeah, well, sometimes it sticks and it ends up falling off because you didn't use enough double-sided tape. <laughs> yeah, well, that too, you know, that's that's common today too, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, you just want that thing to flow properly, right? Yeah. And it comes down to, as a person, can you make that work, right? Regardless of what parts you get. Are you doing, again, it comes down, are you doing it the right way? Are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you just doing it just to do it, you know? Like, I mean, even if I see a, a build that's terrible, in the end, they still put the time into it, yeah. you know? I mean, to me, it's terrible. To them, it might be perfect, right? I mean, who knows? To each their own, right? Yeah, and you know, I respect yeah. everyone for whatever they build, but I just don't respect people who talk crazy shit about someone's car if they don't know their situation with it, right? Like some people might just have not, they don't have the resources and that's all they can do. And that should just be it, right? Yeah, and I mean, not having the resources and not doing anything, the best thing I always say is, hey, you know, just wait, right? Yeah. Just start to look and see what you like, right? You know, and like, hey, you know, don't burn yourself out over a car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's more to life than just that, right? There's no there's no rush to it. And no. I'm, I'm, 
want more people to realize that there's you don't have to prepare for that show. No. You really only end up hurting yourself or Correct. losing money Correct. just to prep for something that ninety nine percent of the time you're just losing money. All right. That's exactly. Yeah. I yeah. think that comes with experience. You know, of like course. your first car is always going to be your learning car, right? Yeah. Or your first couple of cars. Yeah. And then after that, then you kind of start realizing that okay, I want to make this good. I gotta wait. You know, all these nice parts aren't just going to come easily, right? And all these good parts. There's a reason why it's a cost of premium, right? You know, it's going to fit good. You know, it's, you know, tried and true. And you got the other guys who's like, I just want something to throw it on. And, you know. It's like, why? <laughs> right? Why? That's the yeah. main thing. Why, right? You know, you're not, you're not really doing it for yourself. You're yeah. doing it because you're chasing clout. You're doing it because you're chasing your friends, right? Right. You know? And that's, that's all it really comes down to. Like, I mean, cars are nice, right? You know, you, you enjoy it, right? But you have to, like, be realistic with yourself too, right? Mm -hmm. Your friends won't leave you. Your friends are going to be there with you. Exactly. Sure. And it's... Your friends I, aren't going to judge you based off the way you drive. They're not. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it's good to see the progression of some people who have taken their time. Yeah. You know, seeing the car that they started out with and now what it's ended up exactly. becoming. Mm -hmm. The guy who started on reps and now he's over here on three-piece wheels. Like, yeah. that's, that's development. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, I mean, sometimes if... Like, reps, whatever, whatnot and stuff, right? It's like, hey, you know, it's just stock is okay too yeah right yeah, you don't always have to get something you don't always have to get something you know i mean i don't know how many cars i had that i didn't do anything to right you know and i just drive it right, right. i mean you know i have a shop i could easily build a car right you know right. but it's like hey i'm like if i'm gonna do something i want it right right you know it's like but then i go with the time like even if i buy the stuff do i have the time to go do it i'd rather not right? just leave it i'm hey, okay yeah. driving a i stock mean i got car. nothing against people who buy reps if that's all they can afford you know yeah but i just have issues with people who buy reps but claim it's real or like, or talk and be like, well, I got the same thing, even though it's a rep, but you paid whatever. That's like, that's the stuff that gets yeah, on my that's, nerves. That's, you know? <laughs> the, that's the annoying part, right? You know, you could buy whatever based off of what you can afford, but you know, just sometimes it's like, there's some reps, it's like, you know, it's not safe, right? You know, and it's like, hey, why are you buying this, right? You know, just don't, don't buy something just to like a, most people buy things because it's like in their mind, it's instant gratification and it's the thing of like, it'll get me by for now. It would get you by for now for what your emotions you know like you so you can go hang out with your friends so you can look cool you know i mean most of the time that's what it is right i mean that's why most of the time people come in they want to buy something it's like i mean i'd rather not sell it to you right you know it's because you re i'd rather you save your money you know like i mean it's not that i'm like looking down at it but there's some parts it's like it's just not safe don't buy it you know you're not going to be happy with it right you're going to end up spending more money right you know you can, if, you know, most of the time with most people, it's just a mental thing, right? Yeah, like but I, I mean, I think for you, it's tough too, because you are a shop and you know that you're trying to push, you know, a certain, certain type of product and you want to keep your name a certain way. You don't want to be like, oh yeah, he used to sell all this like yeah, real things and now he starts selling this, right? you know? You know, like they think everything's just expensive, but at the end of the day, if you cry once and pay once, you actually save more money. You save a lot more money. You do, right? And I mean, I've seen numerous people come in with like you know shitty parts and stuff, and they're always fixing their cars, and you know they look at everybody else's cars and they're like, wow, you know these are nice. I'm like, you know, you could have done done that too. I was like, you guys are the ballers because you guys are the ones. You guys actually spent more money than some of these guys did building these nice cars. Like, I mean, you're just looking at it like it's expensive. It's out of reach, right? You know, you're telling yourself it's out of reach. Are you actually? Is it really out of reach? I don't think it's out of reach, right? You know, anybody can do it, right? If these other guys can do it, you can do it too, right? You know, just you just gotta clear your mind, do what you need to do, right? You know, and just 
keep your head straight, right? You know, not think stupid. Well, not even that, but you buy the like the real parts. You can always sell it for, you know, good value, right? You buy That's these rep what, parts, you're yeah. never going to get value for it. Yeah, and, you might have to give them away. Yeah, and then it's like, is it really worth it? Like, are you really saving weight? Are you gaining weight? Is your bumper really going to fit better? Yeah. You know, how much work do you have to pay a shop to make certain, like, you know, kits fit right? And yeah. if you bought the real piece, yeah, it, it might be fit. more upfront, but you don't have to pay the extra body work. And it kind of comes out to being almost a wash, right, at yeah. that part. You know, you don't complain about fitment. Oh, yeah, but I could pay a little bit more to get the real part or a better part, right? Yeah. You know, and then, then they start complaining to you, and it's not your fault because you told them already, but that's what they wanted to pay. Exactly. You know, and that's so, what most of the time. I mean, that's why, I mean, the whole market is like flooded with like bullshit parts and stuff like that. I mean, everybody's <laughs> there to make money, right? You know, right. so it's like, hey, you know, everybody's gonna be like, well, I could buy this part because this is cheaper. It's like, well, this is fucking garbage you know right like why would you buy this and they'll be like it's fine i can buy it It gets me by for now it's always a it gets me by and i always ask them what is get me by right you know mm -hmm. what 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 is there to get you by like i mean your car's not broken right. you know it's right. not like oh fuck you know like i blew a tire i can't afford a nicer tire i need something to get me by that's get you by right you know because you actually need something right right most of the people who's buying these bullshit parts it's like hey you know i'd rather you just keep your car stock these, you know, these things don't have a good structural integrity on these wheels, right? You know, you're going to drive, you're going to hit a pothole, you're going to crack it. You crack it. I mean, hey, you, you know, you're buying these cheaper wheels because that's what you can afford. I'm not going to judge you because that's what you can afford. But you drive it, you destroy it, right, and stuff like that. Now you need to go buy a replacement. And now you're trying to figure out how you're going to get the money, right, you know? And you're just constantly throwing money away. And it's always going to be a constant get me by. Right? <laughs> it's the expression that I hate the most because it's very rarely true. It's something is just as good yeah and that's exactly the, that's the thing that people use as an excuse mm -hmm. to not get the real thing that costs yeah. more money right yep. a wheel is a wheel to them a yep. kid is a kid to them mm -hmm. and it's not until they put it on and start yeah. using it that they realize that oh maybe that was a better you know quality thing maybe that's why it costs so much you know there's got to be a reason that one thing costs well more than i mean another, there's you know? even stuff that's like you know that's good quality that's still affordable too right correct I mean, you, you don't, don't have to buy the top you, of the top you don't have to buy the top of the top right i mean you know you're talking about it's not like you know there is something in that price range for everybody right you know depending on what it is right it's like you know i it that's that's another problem with the whole like car industry right you know there's a lot of companies who make bullshit parts right and they're in it, but they got good marketing. Right, right. The last thing I kind of wanted to ask you guys is, you've been doing this for how many years now? Do you see yourselves stopping it? Do you always going to be doing this? No, I love cars. There's a car in my name already. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be stopping. I'm just, as I grow older, I just got to get more big boy toys yeah. as the age grows on, you know? Like... My parents hated when I played with cars. I was like, you fucked up. I was like, you put car in my name. I was like, you know, I mean, like, you called me Carlin. So, I mean, shit. <laughs> well, my parents already know it's the done deal. And now my kids, all they play, every time we go anywhere, look at cars, go to Target, look at Hot Wheels. Oh, yeah. You know, they That's love like the cars. She loves cars. And so, stuff. I mean, I grew up, rumors, I'm not sure, like my parents always say it was, but even when I was younger growing up, I always wanted to buy little, little Hot Wheels. I had a bunch of Hot Wheels, supposedly. And I was taking them apart when I was younger. And now my kids are doing it, so I can only imagine they're going to be just as wild as I am. Oh, yeah. But, you know, at least for my kids, I'll be supportive of it, so they're going to probably have wilder cars than I did when they're younger. You know, my parents weren't too much supportive of it, so, you know, um, and it got me here. 
but hopefully by the time I'm older, then I can have these big boy toys, you know, start getting into the six-figure range cars and start playing with real money, adult money. <laughs> you technically do have a six-figure range car. You're driving one right now. Ah, but it's You not. have two of them. <laughs> 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 They're just not the right six-figure range cars that you're thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't have a, a GT in the name of it or, a, or an RS in the name of it. I mean, it. I can make a sticker, you know, I mean, yeah. or, or a badge. Well, I can order one, one of them, stick it on the one car. One of them right, does have know? a GT in it, but it has another yeah. long name in front of it that doesn't See? make any sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys. No, thank you for having us. Pleasure is all mine, Ernest. Yep. I've always uh, would love to be part of any of your uh, podcasts. Definitely. And uh, there, I know there's more stories that we can oh, talk about. Oh, there's always more stories. Yeah. So for another episode. Yep. Thank you guys. Yep. Thanks.